His name is Heston Blumenthal. He is one of the most creative and inquisitive chefs in the world. His restaurant has won Best Restaurant in the World many times over, and he's even cooked Christmas dinner for the Queen. My name's Jay Taylor. I have no restaurants, and if I did, the Queen wouldn't be coming anywhere near them. But I am lucky enough to create Heston's TV shows for the past 15 years, and now, more importantly, get to host his podcast, where we crack open Heston's massive foodie mind to explore our food in brand new depth. And on today's show, we are once again stoking the age-old rivalry between Australia and England. But instead of sport, today... It's all about the chocolate bars, as we pit the best of Australia against the best of British in the first ever chocolate bar ashes. So grab yourself a leftover turkey sandwich and some of those fancy nuts you forgot you bought as we take a journey to the centre of food with the man himself, Mr Heston Blumenthal. A very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Heston. How are you? I'm very good, Jay. Thank you. You complete. It doesn't take a lot to confuse me, but you completely confused me there. We're doing chocolate <laughs> ashes with a turkey sandwich and a cold cup of coffee or something. So, but that's okay. I'm I'm suitably discombobulated, which means I'm ready that's to perfect. go. That's the that's the idea of these intros. No one really knows what's going on by the time I get to the end of it, which means we can do anything we can, like. Can, can I ask you a question? Yes, dear listeners, the chocolate ashes has just come from <laughs> Jay's incredibly creative head. I have no idea what the rules are, and I have a feeling that they <laughs> might, it might be a movable feast. I'm just checking, LBW... Oh, yes, I, I plan to be entirely <clears throat> what the opposite of impartial is. I will be utterly partial. Mm. I'm very scarred from childhood, having watched England just being battered every single year down under in whatever sport we were playing. We need to go back to uh, WG Grace, you know, when he when, when, when he invented cricket, supposedly. Um, <laughs> Last time he beat them. Uh, but he had his, his cricket bat was just about the width of the stumps. So you just <laughs> you just put the bat in front of the stumps. He made the rules up. Plus, you're, you're a cricket fan, aren't you? You've, I, I remember I'm a you used massive, to play the Fat Duck cricket match yeah. each year. I'm a massive cricket fan. I, I used to play. I was never that good. I, would, I, I batted sort of between number three and number five. And my so number four. Uh, <laughs> well, well, it went, it, well, there's three positions between three and five. <laughs> so three, four, and five. And then I, I did better for some reason at number five, number three. I think it was the pressure, and my lack of impatience. So just test the pitch out, and the way the ball's moving, and the bowlers in the field, and just get yourself settled in. Bang! Smack it. <laughs> And then, and then you turn around, and look at your stumps, and they're all smashed up. And then you get really angry with yourself. I, I, I love cricket because I detested it so much at the same time. <laughs> and I do remember being one of my one of my most really um, big big memory was what are they called a Test match special, the lunch in at Lords in the box with Jeffrey Boycott, and he had his he's the same thing, his little picnic box, the sandwiches in, and it was just bewildered about some of the things that I'd cooked just completely bewildered lad <laughs> you call that cooking I can imagine that <laughs> a Yorkshireman versus Michelin starred cuisine is not gonna work I, I should say as well we're obviously joined on the podcast as ever by James who's going to be keeping us on the right side of fact and also acting as our our, our mm. umpire for the day happy christmas and new year james how are you sir i'm very good and same to you yeah i can't i can't say offer much in the world of expertise of cricket my only experience is is from about 15 years old playing cricket once at my school and managing to hit the ball which i was quite proud of but straight off the top edge of a bat straight into my own face um, and splitting open the top part of my eye and then bleeding all over the first team cricket pitch and wasn't allowed oh, anywhere my, near it since. Uh, James, do you know I did the same thing? One of my first cricket matches in Lacey Green Village School, I went. I did the same. I think they, if I like to call it a, when you, a hook. So the ball comes up towards your face and you try and hit. I, I'm, I'm right-handed with the cricket bat, play it to the left. I went to hook it, came off the top edge, straight onto my nose, bust my nose. I did, yeah. I, I did like 15 years of kickboxing and never had my nose broken. But my, one of my first games at a school of cricket, I did the same thing. And I didn't, I should, something, something should have told me inside that give this up, Heston. It's not for you. This mm. sport is not for you, but I it, love it. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I, it wasn't my own voice that told me to give it up. It was all the other 21 people on the pitch. 
<laughs> and the umpire. So out there, I, this is we're, we're setting expectations suitably low here for what's going to be coming up over the next half an hour or so. But I think yes, with the, uh, expect the chocolate bar equivalent of the uh, missed hook shot that smashes our noses open on the pitch. But before we get to the uh, chocolate bar cricket, it's we have some important science to deal with here because obviously the, the rest of the world. Every scientist in the world is rightly trying to find a solution to COVID right now, which means that some other science, important science, is probably going slightly by the wayside. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. I'm just thinking, and your solution, Jay, is the Aussie UK Test Match Special Chocolate Challenge. That is the cure to COVID. Our, listen, no, our listeners are stepping into the breach. So Martin Hodge, once again after p- p- passing on some fantastic dunking advice before, has once again got back in touch because a few weeks ago we did a bacon sandwich episode where Heston explored the wonderful comfort food that is the bacon sandwich and delved into all the amazing components of that. But there were questions off the back of any kind of good exploration. There were questions, and, and a lot of them were orientated around two key areas. Um, if you eat too many, is it going to be really bad for you? And secondly, brown sauce, red sauce, and no sauce at all. Thankfully, Martin stepped up. Now, I'd hasten to add, I don't think Martin is actually a scientist, but, Heston, you're not a scientist, and I, 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 so anyone can have a go at this, right? I think all human beings could be called practical physicists. As long as you make something, if you put something together, it could be a toy, I don't an airfix model, it could be making some food, or anything. If you put something together, you're a practical physicist. So there. Martin is now a practical physicist. He says, uh, another excellent podcast, chaps. Needless to say, guess what I had for breakfast? In the interests of science and further knowledge, and to explore your podcast discuss- discussions, I seriously overindulged in three bacon sandwiches. Whoa. And surprisingly enough, my kidneys did not stop working. In fact, none of my body parts did, but I felt compelled to have a big workout afterwards. And in an additional piece of research, I put brown sauce on the first one, ketchup on the second, and nothing on the third. The result of my research was a dead heat. But then he says, as regards my scientific bacon sandwich experiment, my wife asked, what on earth are you doing? He said, I'm being scientific. She said, no, you're being greedy again. Which is... <laughs> is, there, is there a difference? <laughs> Precisely. So, Martin, we applaud your, your science. And this is now science fact. Uh, you can't three three bacon sandwiches will not kill you and uh, it's a dead heat between the sauces yes did you try them in reverse though oh. <laughs> we are actually going to give him heart disease if we keep getting Martin to dive into bacon I, I sandwiches po- Mrs Martin I'm very sorry I apologise <laughs> so that's um, yes thankfully uh, science is science is underway, and and anyone else out there in the in the wonderful Heston Cop podcast world, please do get involved in the science. It seems relatively painless if you like Basically, bacon sandwiches that, and that, chocolate. That, if if we ever needed an example of science winning out again, there it is, right there. That's going to, that's that's going to go into our our um our archive. Our science. This is hard scientific fact. Because be we all believe it. Shortly. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. all believe it. But now on to our main reason for the podcast today. And this is another thing inspired by our, our fantastic listeners, especially the ones down under. So another podcast we did a little while ago was uh, we explored the fantastic history of the chocolate bar and specifically Heston's nostalgic memories of it, some of the science behind them and, and, and you know, which ones we liked most and which ones we felt were interesting. And during that, an interesting question came up, which was we we were curious to find out, are chocolate bars the same on the other side of the world or all around the world, specifically in Australia? Do the same memories work and other bars even the same? Well, we had a brilliant reaction and through the post arrived a very large box from Holly Wadsworth. And Holly, we hugely appreciate this. A massive box packed to the bilges with chocolate bars all manner of wonderful chocolate bars ones we recognized ones we didn't and then a couple of weeks later another smaller box came from Gemma James equally packed with chocolate bars so now Heston and I have in front of us a great many Australian chocolate bars don't we we certainly do I don't know where to begin this is like um Christmas more my childhood Christmases have come early but if I if I eat even 
a twentieth of this amount of chocolate, I'm going to get hyperactive, be really annoying, <laughs> even more annoying to everyone around me, my friends, my family, my loved ones, uh, and then end up with an argument and then feel sorry for myself. I'd say, Holly, you are making us feel slightly insubstantial, as Brit said, because have you seen the size of the crunchy bars from Australia? <clears throat> that on. is I, twice I, I as big. Hang on, hang on. Heston's got so many bar- chocolate you can bars hear, in there now. I'm, I'm, I'm covered in packaging. Uh, so it says on the side, golden hokey pokey honeycomb covered <clears> in <throat> Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, uh, yeah. Ah. Oh, look at it. You've got the, you've got the English one I've there. I've got them both together. Look. Look. The Aussie, the Aussie bar, oh, yeah. which also has, which is actually, I don't know why I think it's cool, but I just think it's cool. The best before date is also in Chinese or Japanese underneath. Um, and in, 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 where the best before date in Chinese or Japanese is, in England, you've just got the Royal Crest. So it's, it's quite That's what we're wearing. <laughs> remind them. How much would you say those two chocolate bars, James, James, we have to defer to our... Our technical um, bearer of all things scientific and factual. <laughs> yeah. What the percentage science action difference would you say that those two chocolate bars are there between the, the English and the Australian? Chocolate bar size, it's probably, yeah, maybe 20 to 30% actually. Now I can yeah. see where the wrappers end. Okay, scientific fact. Australian crunchy bars are noticeably bigger. Have you seen these brilliant things called furry friends? And on them... They have animals I've never even heard of. They've got an etch, etchidna. Ah, etchidna? on this one. <clears throat> now, this one. I've got a furry friend. They're amazing little creatures. They're unique to a certain part of Australia, and they were nearly extinct. Koala? No, it's more little. Ready? <laughs> oh, Tasmanian devil. Yep. Is that what it's on Look, it? Is it? Tasmanian Look, devil. I've got a Tasmanian devil. Oh, look, I've got a wombat. Wombat. Quite exciting <laughs> seeing it on the front of a packet. Have you seen these? Have you seen these oval... Oh, yeah. I was... Oval teenies. I would, have you tried try one of these? No, I, do you know what? I have not opened one of these packets. I was waiting for this. Do you know I broke them open. I haven't tried one yet. I was fascinated to know what... In, so these are called oval teenies, fun and delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm presuming they are, obviously... <laughs> Picking up on the subtle clues, they are oval teen, right? Oh, hang on. Oh, is it? He's having a moment. <laughs> hang on, I'm having a high yeah, moment. It's a Heston moment. Holly and Gemma, you're giving Heston a moment. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, oval teen is malt. It's Horlicks. Think Horlicks. So, oval teen is a, drink, is a, is a malted chocolate drink that you used to have as a kid at night time. You used to be able to buy oval teen and Horlicks in granules in a jar. Now, you can only buy it in powder. I've just had a very exciting moment, but I don't have a microwave here in my office. I have one at home. If you put the Horlix granules in the microwave, the old ones used to pop and expand like Maltesers. So I wonder, do you, do, Jay, do you have, you, just, you must have a microwave. I have a microwave, yes. Should you, I go and put some of these in a microwave? Just go and put them in the microwave, yeah. Put it on for two minutes until they blow your microwave These are up. little tablets, though. They look like oh, no, little brown put, tablets. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a bit like a lozenge. Can you imagine a, um, a fisherman's friend, but round and Pure brown? Pure sweets, aren't they? How long do you want me to put them in the microwave for? I just put, them, just, just put them in for a minute or two. Put a couple, a few in whole and break a few up. But really roughly. See, I okay, want to know right. if they, you, you if talk they to the expand. listener while I do that. Okay. You talk to the listener while I do that. God, this is Holly, this is very exciting because you just triggered a, a fantastic memory for me. Fantastic. In fact, looking at this, Holly, there, I've just noticed while well, Jay's gone off to his microwave, there's a there's a caramel twirl. Now, I don't even know what's in that caramel twirl. I'm looking at the photo. It looks like something crystallized. So there might be other interiors of chocolates what happens if you put a crunchy bar in the microwave i, I really don't want to be responsible for people blowing their <laughs> microwaves up their pets up or burning their houses down however however we've got to try putting some of these other things in the microwave <clears throat> but certainly before i i do know that granulated uh horlicks puffed up like a malteser yeah i remember long time ago doing something with soap in the microwave but only certain types of soap 
It's not oh, every bar is so they expand. They expand to, you know, like a big cushion. You know, and burst out oh, the front wow. of your microwave, <clears> generally doing a little bit of damage on the way out. I'm back. <laughs> with news, hopefully. Did anything happen? So so the house has been filled with the most wonderful smell of of oval teeny sort of kind of unctuous niceness. Yeah. But nothing at all has happened to the little tablet sweet. They're completely the same. Um <laughs> oh, okay. Just slightly warmer. Mm, it didn't even explode. I thought they might explode. Although it is, it has made the um, taste of them slightly more powerful because they're, they're warmer. To everyone listening, I think there's a, a potential. Please don't blame me. It's just, it's just an idea as opposed to an instruction that maybe there's <laughs> elements of the inside of some of these sweets that might perform interestingly in a microwave. However, um, what do they say on the aeroplane? You know, Wait I'm, a second. Terms and conditions may apply. Heston and the Journey Centre Food will not be held responsible for any mm. hideous chocolate bar molten injuries. There we are. Yeah, I agree to disagree to agree to disagree that if I do not put this in the microwave, or maybe I do, something will or will not happen. I'm really impressed with those. I, when I first tried them, I thought this is such a strange looking sweet. And because they don't hit you with the same sugary pal that you normally get from sweets. But I think they are lovely. Yeah, they really grow I'm, on you, don't they? Yep. Yeah, that's a... That's a, that's a Wonderful discovery for me, those. Yeah, they're fantastic. And we've got other ones we're going to be exploring. Um, there's some great eucalyptus things I've been saying, which I haven't sent to you yet. So we'll be exploring those on another podcast. But for now, what we're going like to crack on with trying the sort of big hitters of the chocolate of the chocolate bar world. So brace yourself for an intro. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome here to the Geba. Uh, it's a beautiful day on the first day of the Chocolate Bar Olympics. Uh, uh, Ashes. I'm joined by uh, notorious medium slow bowler HG Blumenthal in the commentary box. Hello, HG. You ready for a good day today? <laughs> I'm ready for a very good day today, Jay. That's my I'm trying to be. A, I don't know. That was my English accent. <laughs> that was my Richie Benno, and that is awful i apologize to everyone down under who i'm never going to be welcomed back into that country again but you get the idea right here's how it's going to work so as heston said making this up as we go along we have here five of what we consider to be the finest chocolate bars invented in england now obviously we're taking the same approach the english cricket team takes to recruitment which means anything within scotland ireland wales south africa france new zealand it's france india <laughs> It all counts Empire. as England. <laughs> <laughs> and apologies to the rest of the UK, but we can't really say Australia v the rest of the world. It doesn't sound right. So we're gonna, we've got five of the big hitters from Blighty. We have the Mars Bar. We have Cadbury's Dairy Milk, Kit Kat, Mint Aero, and the Lion Bar. All made in England. Meanwhile, from Australia. Now, these are chocolate bars that we believe are very popular in Australia. Thank down to our Google searches, and also made there. We have the Mint Patty, the Violent Crunch, Crumble, sorry, which we've talked about before, which are very much looking forward to trying. Uh, Aaron, which is if huge. You, if you can hear this uh, rustling, it's because I'm desperately trying to find, I've got such a pile of chocolate here, yes. It's massive! Violent <laughs> Crumble, and actually the packaging looks like it should be called Violent, Violent Crumble. <laughs> It's so violent. <laughs> violent go, bang! Yeah. You could take down an elk with that. You could use it like a it's club. Very, it's very light, though. You notice how it must be honeycomb. Yeah, it's an agile, large and agile. It's like those Aussie wingers. Ah, we have, also you seen, have, hang on, have you seen the logo? Have you seen the slogan on the side? Read that out. That's cool. Oh, it's the way it shatters that matters. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that sounds a bit like fast bowling in cricket to me. It's Hit the stumps. <laughs> We also have the Caramello Koala, which everyone has said we must try, which is the, oh, one yeah, of the iconic yeah, yeah. ones. We have the one, and James will be hopefully delving us out some stats as we go, but from my brief Googling, we have the one that I believe is one of the most popular ones in Australia, which is the Cherry Ripe. Also, that you know, there's a wonderful journalist, but one of, she was one of the most influential food journalists and food critics in Australia. And her name was, and still is, Cherry Ripe. So there'll be many foolies listening to this in Australia that will know. Now, I never asked Cherry. <laughs> I never asked her. 
<laughs> which came I, first? I wanted, yeah, well, well, you know, obviously many questions could have to that. But <laughs> And finishing out the lineup, we have the Chokito, which is uh, which is this one here. It's the, it's the sort of, oh, yeah, got it. Got I'd it. say it looks a bit like a lion bar. So it's more of a penalty shootout than the cricket match. What we're going to do is we're going to face off 1v1. Now, Heston, we, it, we both have a vote, but Heston's vote counts for two if it's a draw. James is our third match official. He's also going to be throwing in stats as we go. And it's only going to be up to Heston to pick which ones go against which ones. That's the very long, complicated way of saying we're going to be trying a load of chocolate bars and seeing which we like. <laughs> for our first, okay. for the for the opening batsman for... <clears throat> why don't you pick the opening English batsman and I'll pick the opening Australian. So who's going out first? For England? Yeah, you've got Mint Aero, Kit Kat, Dairy Milk, Mars and Lion Bar. This is a te- tactical move. I'm going mint arrow. Oh, interesting! Because for Australia, I'm going to go with the mint patty. So we're oh. going to bring we're going to bring out we're going to bring a spinner on first. We we'll get old Shane Warren out there to start the off. Trouble is, I'm apologies trying, to everyone I'm out there who doesn't understand cricket, by the way, because this is well, terrible. I, all these references. Actually, <laughs> apologies to everyone, anyone out there that doesn't understand cricket. Apologies to anyone out there that doesn't understand what this game is, because we don't understand it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to taste the mint arrow, which I have had in the past several times over yep. the years, and you're about to taste a mint patty that I'd never heard of before, that I've never, that I've well, never, you never yeah. tasted. So. Okay. That no, you matter. have to try both. You have to try both. You have to try, oh, the, the, you have okay. to try the English Mint Aero and the Australian Mint now, Patty. Now, do you notice, on so, my English Mint Aero, here's a piece of useless information. There's a friend of mine, a professor, we've worked together a lot over the years, called Professor Charles Spence, Oxford University. And he changed the shape. I, I mean, I can see the Aero bar, but he might have done it with Cabris. Um, as well, the era is Nestle, where he changed the shape of the chocolate bar from being more angular to more round. It is and really round now, isn't and it? it? And, it, and it, no, I think Aero it, it works because this is really round. But the but in Dairy Milk, I think he did it for Dairy Milk, and it caused James. Did you did you did you um? We, James and I spoke about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Well, what he caused a bit of a stink, didn't he? Well, yeah. People complained that the new chocolate bar was a different recipe and was much sweeter. And Cadbury, to this day, say they didn't change the recipe one bit. It's just he changed the shape, Ooh. and this is the something. The shape of it. Yeah, this is going to be one of our future podcasts. Is about it's syn- synesthesia. So Kiki and Booba. If I showed you a big pointy star or a big splat like a puddle, and I said, tell me if this is Kiki or Booba. Most people would say this pointy star is Kiki, and the big roundy splatty puddle is Booba. And so this is this association between shapes and, 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 and sharpness. So with Aero, they've made the Aero packaging, the Aero chocolate now, nice and bubbly and round, like the top of a balloon. Okay. Now, briefly, just while we're trying the chocolates, I thought I would drop in here, just have a quick word with you about one of our sponsors that we thought you might be interested in. Because as Christmas rolls along, we do know one of the things that goes by the by is our personal grooming. We tend to slob out and eat lots of chocolates and have lots of treats. But what about our beards? Well... The good news is we have tied up with Harry's. Now, I have used Harry's and so has Heston. They've sent them through to us before and they are excellent. You get this lovely little gift set with a really nice razor in it and great shaving foam. Everything uh, smells good, feels good, and uh, they are really good razors. And uh, we thought you might be interested in this. Harry's story is these two guys called Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are fed up with overpriced razors, as I know we probably all are. Uh, They started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory, and by taking less profit, they got to offer great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are almost half the price of the leading 5, 10, 25, you know how many blades there are on these things normally. They're basically half the price of those normal brands. And when you get a trial set... It's got everything you need in it for that post-Christmas close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, which is very nice. You get five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get rich, lathering shave gel, and you get a travel blade cover, so you can go anywhere you like and do it. 
And the good thing is we have an exclusive offer for all you out there. So please do get involved. Get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set, which gets all that good stuff in it for only three ninety five. And the good thing is you can also support the podcast. And what we do is we put all the money we can back into uh, promoting it to other people out there and hopefully getting lots more of these fun experiments up and running. So anything you can do on that front is wonderful. So please do get your trial set delivered, including your new razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by simply going to harrys.com forward slash Heston. That's harrys.com forward slash Heston. And you can have a lovely clean shave within days. Right. How is that mint aero going down? The bubbles are nice, I have to say. I was going to say... You know, that's really good. It's nice. I, I was about to years. say I'm not a fan of chocolate and mint too much, and then I thought, well, actually, maybe that was just bullshit. What I was what I just <laughs> said. It's just nonsense. Sometimes I open my mouth and words fall out, and I think, where the hell did those... They must have been lodged in my elbow. <laughs> just fell out of my Podcast mouth. Podcast awards are going to be flowing oh, after <laughs> this. Oh, you've got to just learn. Just learn to try and... Think before you speak. Dear listener, we just had a random email telling us that um, this podcast is the um, second most popular food podcast in Cambodia. But I think now you can understand why. It's, <laughs> this is a special moment. So uh, up against the mint era, which you just now like, we have the mint patty. So so I don't know. Okay, let's... <clears throat> have you got? So, so what is the mint patty? Made by the same so, company. So it's made by Nestle, is it? Yeah. Oh, well spotted. Yeah, well spotted. It looks like a giant Viscount. So nothing uh, to do yeah. with peppermint patty from Charlie Brown. I don't even know what peppermint patty from Charlie Brown she's is. A, she's a character in the, in the Charlie Brown uh, Snoopy okay. stories. Oh, hello. Uh, oh, have you broken it open? Look at that. Is it creamy? Is it bubbly? What is it? It's like a, it's um, like a, a, a meringue inside. Yes, yeah, somewhere Not meringue, between... a marshmallow. A mer- well, somewhere between a marshmallow... It's sort of like a coconut texture. I'm not saying flavour. It's not very minty, though, is it? I find it more mentholy than minty. So you know the difference between mint is the flavour of mint and menthol is the thing that makes your mouth go, that cooling effect. Actually, here's another useless piece of information going off on a tangent. The old roll dial thing, does chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? Yes and no. I remember there was a guy called Professor Andy Taylor at Nottingham University. Amazing guy. He developed with Firmalish, this perfume flavor company, a computer program where that you put a tube, like a little straw, into your nostril and it's connected to the computer. We've used it when we were working on the biscuit uh, show. And um, he changed the whole world of chewing gum, bubble gum manufacturing. Because what he realized that, 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 that you can, you put the, straw into your nose you chew the gum you tell the computer to look for a specific compound in this case it was the menthol and menthone one is mint and one is cooling menthol menthone they're not the same so if you eat fresh mint you don't get the same cooling effect as you as you do with a you know fisherman's friends have uh, menthol they have that cooling effect but they're not minty so they generally Mm -hmm. pair the two things together in toothpaste so look for that as you chew the gum I chewed this gum for 45 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was just sitting in front of a computer. I was watching paint dry. But I thought Martin had tough science with the bacon sandwiches. This sounds, <laughs> that sounds quite hard work. Yeah, I didn't feel so stuffed, though. <laughs> um, and the flavour, my perception of the, fla- of the minty flavour of the chewing gum went down fairly rapidly. Well, I say rapidly, 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't remember exactly how, how much time. When I put sh- some sugar in my mouth... I just took granulated sugar, put a pop in my mouth, the flavour, boom, came straight back again. And the theory is that because we grow up with a learned association of mint and sweet, so toothpaste is sweet. It's not full of sugar because it's bad for your teeth, but they, are, they put sweeteners in toothpaste. All toothpaste has sweetness. So we always have an association of mint or men- mint and menthol with sugar or with sweetness. So then chewing gum companies, as a result of this work, put little granules of sweetening released, encapsulated granules of sweetness, but not sugar. So as you chewed the gum over a period of time, you would release extra sugar in the mouth and it would keep the chewing gum, it would keep its flavor. So that's, that's a bigger side to this. Now, coming back to these two chocolates, me, I, I have to say this... The, the 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 mint patty 
it's a bit going towards a bit too mentholy, menthony for me. So the the cooling effect. Whereas the aero, I was about to say I don't, I'm not a massive fan of chocolate and mint. And as I put that aero by my in my mouth, I thought, oh, hang on a second, hello, and the bubbles. That's you a good point. Yeah, the bubbles. So for me, it's the aero. So you're going with aero. Yeah, aero. I I I have to say, I am actually going to lean the other way. Because I didn't, I, I find that the aero it's lovely, but it's too. I can't. There's something about the bubbly effect that makes it just disappear too quickly. You don't really get ever get a bite out of it. It never feels like you're actually getting something of, of worth. So I'd really like that patty thing. There was something about the chewability that I really enjoyed. But in our rules, your vote counts for two because you actually know what you're talking about. So that is one nil to. <laughs> that is one nil to England, but quite close. Quite a quite a close, um, it's quite, close. quite a close one there. <clears throat> that, was, close. that was that was a very surprising texture, unusual. So uh, for our next one, then I will pick the English one. If you pick the Aussie one again, okay. so I'm going to say let's go with the Kit Kat. Let's break out a proper. We're getting one of this is our, one of our really strong middle order batsmen now coming out oh, to uh, to the crease. The so Kit you Kat. Pick- so we, we still in your lineup. You still have Violet Crumble, Caramel Koala, Cherry Ripe, and Chokito. Oh, so the question is: Do I do I go try and go head to head with you, or do I oh I take a risk going. of a sacrificial lamb that might actually pull out a surprising win? I don't know. Like Monty Monty Panasar turning the game around or scoring. 50. That's it. <laughs> yeah. so What's I, your Monty Panasar of chocolate bar? <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going for Chiquito. Chiquito. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, James, I do you have f- any knowledge on a Chiquito? Uh, I believe it's thick chocolate covering some crispy stuff and some caramel. That's that's uh, that's proper research done there. Feeling the packet. That is basically a lime yep. bar. That's what I'm getting through the packet. Is it chewy like a lime bar, though? You know how a lime bar has uh, that? Has, I think has it will be. Chewy, yeah, it'll be chewy. Little. It says chewy caramel fudge, crunchy balls, and lots of chocolate. But then I've wasted Ooh, it. I've, I don't know. Okay. It's too late. It's open so, Chiquito. Well, it looks good. It looks like a it lime bar. Good. And more importantly... What does Chiquito mean? Well, I don't know, but apparently on the... On the, on the uh, it's an ABBA song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was only going to... Chiquita oh, only Chiquita. says yes to the good stuff. That's what it says on the uh, official Nestle's Chiquita website. It only Chiquita. says yes to the good stuff. That is great, that is. is. it? Hmm. It's like a lime bar, but it's not like a lime bar. Oh. So it's, mm. it's got chocolate around the outside, and in the middle it's got quite a thick, crunchy, fudgy sort of core yeah and, and all and these bobbly bits on the outside they feel like you can't see uh, when i bit through i can't exactly see them they look like sort of rice crispy type crunchy you know some chocolate bars have like a cooked milk um slightly cooked milk and malt note to them and it doesn't feel too sweet i like that oh okay now this is a this is a bit tricky now kit kat where are you my kit kat i love kit kat that's a Jay, what do I do here? I mean, I've got a quandary. Tell me a quandary, hasn't it? So I have a Kit Kat, and I also have a Kit Kat Chunky. I'm going to have to pass this upstairs to our third match official. Well, I mean, I mean, really, it's personal choice, but I would say that the traditional Kit Kat would be, uh, I don't know how many fingers are on your Kit Kat, but the two or four, never three, would, uh, would, would, would be the, uh, the official ruling on that. A Chunky... Is it a Kit Kat, really? I know it's under the same brand. I think if you were playing in the Ashes, you'd, you'd go for your, your four-finger Kit Kat. And we are setting rules here, which will stay in place. This is like the Wizenden Cricket Guide. These rules will be in place. <laughs> Wizenden, yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the Chunky WG Grace. It's of... a kind of extension of the Kit Kat idea. I'd okay, so, not, so that's like one fourth, massive like a one fat finger, finger instead, of, instead of a foursome. A four fi- yeah. I mean, f- so we're going with a normal finger. Actually, it's, it's the four finger rule. It's a bit, like, it reminds me, it's like three cricket stumps with an extra one stuck on the side of it. Okay. The four's on the inside. inside. It's red on the outside and four on the inside. But I used to love that four where you rubbed your finger over the top of it and you got the yeah, imprint of the Kit Kat. snap it. Yeah, or then you open the four. There's another another option of opening, taking the four off and then you rub it with your fingertips enough. It goes almost like, it goes so smooth. So they've lost that. However, I have to say, 
it's a bit of a an unfair, um, one-sided, unfair um, competition because my nostalgia. I don't. My, I I was very very pleasantly surprised with the Trujillo, but Kit Kat just takes me straight back to to I just, my childhood. So you said I've got the overriding vote. You do. My overriding vote. I think. I think I have to hand this to you because my. I'm feeling my judgment is too clouded by the strength of my nostalgia for your for these rules of your game. <laughs> so <clears throat> if I can't. If you, it was like top trumps. Yeah, exactly. If one of the things was nostalgia, for me, Kit Kat, obviously there's no comparison because I've never had a Chiquito before. So because uh, flavour, taste, is, is uh, smell is the biggest trigger of memory of all of the senses, how the hell can anything other than, you know, another chocolate bar from my childhood can beat with a Kit Kat. So that's, that's an unfair advantage, I would say. So if I get rid of nostalgia, I'll, ha- I'll have to hand this decision to you. So I, for me, I'm going to have to say, I think, and I know what you mean, because we've spoken about this before, how, how that's the reason there's no really not being any huge amount of new chocolate bars made for the past 40, 40 50 years is because that power of nostalgia. But exactly, I was hugely impressed with the Chocito. And I think on a one-on-one, no nostalgia play, Chiquito wins it for me. I think Australia, and it's not easy for me to award points to Australia here, but that's, I think for me that's got to be one all. So that, is that the second, second of the five-match series? Second of the five-match series, yeah. Tied, up, tied after two. Okay, okay, so on to our third round here. And for England, United Kingdom, Britain, British Isles, I'm going to pick us the Lion Bar. What have you got left after the Lion Bar? Mars and a dairy milk. So I'm keeping it. I've got a really strong tail to this team. Mm. Okay. I am pulling out the shatter when it matters. Oh, it's time crumble. for the violet crumble. Look at this. So, James, what can you tell us about the violet crumble? Because this is the most fantastic looking thing. I, I mean, it's a little bit like a crunchy. I mean, that's. Uh, it, I think it's the big rival for the, uh, for the, for the crunchy bars popularity but it's it's i mean having never eaten one i i think it's slightly different in the middle it looks a bit denser i mean it's certainly been around for a long time it's been around from i believe since about 1913 um purely coming out of australia it's made by hoadley's chocolates in south melbourne um, I, I noticed on the packet it says created in Australia in 1913, Australian owned, made in Australia. Yes, so I they're, think I'm quite they're proud making of it. a big point. <laughs> a big point of where it comes from. Well, there was I mean, a bit of a controversy, a... wasn't there recently? Where I was reading on Australia, there was some kind of backlash because quite a bit of the some of the Australian chocolate bar production was outsourced to China, and people were saying, "Oh, it's not." I mean, people are so nostalgically connected to. Their chocolate bars, even a slight yeah. change in the recipe or wherever the ingredients yeah, are coming absolutely, from. Absolutely, yeah. I also wonder if, yeah. as James says, this is a rival to the crunchy. That could explain the, the vast size. scale of the giant Aussie crunchies because they. Although, this, it is pro- actually, it looks does look like the same size, doesn't it? I think the violet um, crumble still beats it. Uh, no, no, no. The violet crumble is just the giant. So like the King cost? Kong of honeycomb. <laughs> question before we open it i noticed and this might be completely and utterly wouldn't be the first time heston completely and utterly um incorrect but that we from the victorian period there was a lot of use of um you know violet sweets so that the the smell and the aroma of violets in chocolates in candies in gums etc uh and we still have them in the uk but it seems to me that I've seen a few chocolates now that are more mainstream. So violet chocolates in the UK would be considered to be there's something for your grand, your aunt, or more refined people, wealthier people. I'm doing a little bit of mindful eating here. Before we open the packaging, it's called violet crumble. The actual packaging is violet. So does that mean that this is a crunchy, supersized crunchy on steroids that has a violet flavour? Uh, that's that's fascinating because you've got like you're going to have the it's like the incredible hulk opening a flower shop 
<laughs> what a wonderful metaphor. Well, that's I incredible. Can, I, I, can, I can provide some information on that if you want it now. While we're biting, you, you tell us the information. Um, gosh, it's huge, isn't it? As a, using kid, kidonomics on this, if I was a kid, I would take this every day of the week just because the, 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 the amount you get. You have to you have to go to mouth gym to eat this to get your mouth wide enough to get very huge. So the violet in the name comes from uh, the a creator, Al Abel Hoadley created this in about 1913, and he wanted to call it just the crumble, but found he couldn't trademark that name. So he had to think again. So he decided, because all of his chocolate boxes prior to that were packaged in purple, decorated with violets, because he named them after his wife's favourite colour and her, and her favourite flower, which was violet. So his wife, Susanna's favourite flower was violet. So he added the name violet to the crumble in honour and memory of her. Um, and it was an instant success. It's nice. So there's two other things I'm, I'm, I'm learning which are now going to go into the to the <laughs> into the into the um how am I going to get this right annals 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 how do you say it annals we'll go with <laughs> the going to the annals of hard um scientific historical fact absolutely i'm noticing that that the, the in australia there's still plain chocolate seems to be more prominent with the masses than in the UK. We go for milk. So there seems to be, a, I don't know if you, I, I, it's not, ref, is it refinement or not? I don't know, but it's, it's slightly surprising. And there is a, um, there is a very famous chocolate shop in Australia. James, I don't know if you can have a look for this. They've got in Melbourne and they're in Sydney. And it's like the Ladore or the Fortnum and Masons of chocolates in Australia. And if you want, if you want to buy a loved one a box of chocolates from a shop in Australia, you go to this shop. It, it's like the you know going to Savile Row to have your suit made. They use a lot of violet and dark chocolate. So I think. This is, a, for me, is a really interesting thing. I just can't remember the name of the shop. Is it? Was it Hayes Chocolates? Yes. Thank right. you, James. Founded you, in you 1915. Hayes Chocolates. It's yeah. Hay, Hayes Chocolates is the Savile Row of, Austra of Australian uh, chocolate shops. We've got, I've got my violin crumble cracked open. It made a crack. I can see the bubbles. It's honeycomb. It's got a dark, bitter chocolate coating. Um... I'm now going for my, for the, not my, I'm now going for the crunchy. I want to see. Which one? The Australian one? I've just had a bite of the English, British <laughs> crunchy. Quite bubbly in the inside, more bubbly than the, um, the violent crunch. Do you notice, Jay, we're like two kids, we're getting worked up into a frenzy and we won't even be able to understand our own words in a minute we've had a lot of sugar uh, now <laughs> the fact is I keep eating gonna, them in between it when you're talking I'm just oh, it's going to end in tears we're going to hate each other we're going to go to bed really angry <laughs> Holly and Gemma okay, you've, so honestly now, there's so many things in this box alright so now now, now the um, now I'm on the Aussie, the Aussie crunchy I've done the the British crunchy so you've got the huge crunchy and, now yeah <clears throat> And the chocolate seems fairly similar on the outside. Let me, I'm going to break that open. Yeah, you see the crunchy bar has more bubbles. They're both honeycomb. The difference between the violent crunch, the violent bar, yeah, and, and the crunchy, the two main differences is that the chocolate on the crunchy is a bit more milky yep. than, than the chocolate on the violet bar. And when I snap it open, I don't know if you've done this. Yeah. Can you notice there's more bubbles? A lot more in the in crunchy. The crunchy yeah, the crunchies look more like the aero version. I thought the violet, the violent crumble for me was a bit like a bit oval teeny again. So I love, I can see, I think for me visually, the texture of the crunchy beats the violent crunch. Uh, and I actually prefer the, the flavour. We haven't even tried the lime bar. So though. should we just put this one down as a win for England? <laughs> we know what a lime yes. bar tastes like. Right, fine. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's, yes. Moving but, on. You see, having a game with no rules or Jay's rules, <laughs> fantastic for discovery, nostalgia. Who knows where, is it, where it's going to go? We should, 
We should create a new a new worldwide sporting conglomerate that would have a game with no rules that we follow the same pattern that we <laughs> just make it up as we go follow, along. Yeah, make it up. <laughs> uh, right, where are we now? This is just eating okay, chocolate. Okay, so we're down to the final two. We have Dairy Milk and Mars Bar versus Cherry Ripe and Caramel Koala. So we've left the two Australian big hitters till the end. Uh, where are we in, in, in points? We were. It's, it's England, is, are, England are currently leading two whatever's to one. Two one. Two matches. Two, two one. Two one. All right. So am, I, am I Australia? Am I, I, don't am think, I, I think. I, I, well, I you're think picking for Australia. Thing. So I'm going oh, to yeah. pick the Mars Bar for England because I'm going to finish this off right now, put this out of sight. This is England's big hitter. I love Dairy Milk, but this is the one that's going to basically put the series out of out of sight. The white, we can't have the whitewash, but we're going to make the last one a dead rubber. Which I always thought was the strangest phrase. I still don't understand what dead rubber means. But in- <laughs> oh, well, you, well, I know. You heard yourself say that and then thought, actually, what are people going to think of me? <laughs> it's just a weird sporting <laughs> phrase, a dead rubber. Anyway, so who are you putting up uh, against the Mars bar? Well, I, I've, got, I've got to go. I'm going to take this risk. I'm going... For Australia's beloved favourite, it's a cute, beautiful little caramello koala. Oh, nice! Oh, oh, this is interesting. This is a David and Goliath <clears throat> battle we have yeah. here. While you eat your mass-produced Mars bar and you <laughs> just enjoy that around the world, I'm going for something uniquely Australian because koalas don't exist anywhere else in the world. Mars bars, get them anywhere. Oh, I like what you're doing here. Airports, you're selling a story. This is like a farmer's yeah. market now. This, this, car- this is an yeah. organic chocolate bar, this caramello. And if you could see the face of this little creature, this little cuddly little bear. He definitely wins on the packet. I think he's getting an advantage on the packet. Let's try it. Let's see what's going on inside here. Oh, look how cute he is. Oh, right. So it is a- I didn't realise it was actually on the chocolate as well. Oh, he looks very yeah. happy. G'day, mate. <laughs> yep. He's having heaps of fun, as they would say. As they would say. <laughs> I don't know if you cut so much out it's well. so wrong. <laughs> it's, so, it's so brilliant and wrong and great at the same time. As <laughs> Poor James. I You're the designated driver. Watching two fools eat loads Jay- of chocolate. <laughs> so t- chocolate, yes, absolutely. Right. Meanwhile, okay. I'm trying to work out why it's called a rubber. Rubber's always the last match of, a, of an oddly, uh, of a sort of design... A decisive match of an odd numbered series of matches, so that's why it's a rubber. So the why best out of, rubber. yeah. So the last game would be the called the rubber match. But why is that, a why dead is rubber. that called the rubber? I don't know. So I'm, I'm onto that. But that's why it's called a dead. Is rubber. Does that mean you can rub out the rest of it? Because the rest of it is irrelevant. Oh, I suppose they're saying it's because it could bounce either way at this ah, point, like a okay. rubber ball, like a rubber ball. But, but I've literally taken that off a. Of a, of a what, what was that song? That no rubber, rubber ball. Who sang that? Rubber Bobby, ball Bobby, bouncing. Bobby Darren back. or Bobby V. Bobby yeah, Darren, one of the brilliant. Yeah. Rubber ball bouncing. Better. Yeah. Right, come on. Eat the okay. caramel koala. We're running out of time now. And our arbitrary time limit we set ourselves with no actual reason. <laughs> well, it's like that cricket match. You could just keep going forever. Oh. <laughs> and ever. <laughs> Yeah, we should serialize this like Game of Thrones. This could go on just for days until Has until ever tried to do an endless podcast yet. <laughs> yeah, until <laughs> COVID stops. People listening to this carry- say this feels like an endless podcast, right? Now. <laughs> no one's listening because everyone's too drunk between Christmas and New no, Year anyway. So it doesn't I matter. believe Martin. Martin's listening. We're very big in I Cambodia. I, th- I, I, actually, <laughs> I think, actually, I just realised something now. <laughs> I think we hit, we're hitting a new level where we forget we're actually doing a podcast. <laughs> that is when everything starts to flow. I'm convinced of it. Is it? Um, is it? <laughs> on that note, on that, that bombshell. Note, caramel koala right, yeah. versus Mars bar. Oh, I like, I this have to say. The, this is for the series. I have to say, that is a cracker. The chocolate in there, having spoken about bitter plain chocolate the chocolate in there has got a bit like um you know i live in france so uh, brands like milka so swiss chocolate belgian chocolate it it's all you know it's all sort of expensive but it's generally where that the, they the, historically they took they milked the cows up in the mountains in the little huts and then cooked the milk and then made uh, like a uht milk and used that to make the chocolate so those milka those Swiss chocolate bars that we think are very luxe um, 
come from more of a cooked milk, high altitude origin. Obviously, they just replicate that at the factory now. So this chocolate, having gone from the violent crunch, the I didn't expect the chocolate of this little fella, this koala, to have the refinement of a Swiss or Belgian chocolate bar. The caramel sauce inside, unlike a Mars bar, is still semi-liquid. Yeah. That, to me, I've just found an absolute cracker. It is fantastic, this, isn't it? It is fantastic. I think I might have just discovered another childhood um, nostalgic food memory at the age of... <laughs> I'm, ra I'm raising hands yeah. for a six there. That that was smacked out of the park. The so the Mars bar. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the nostalgia of a Mars bar is going to somehow come flooding back and try and take on that. But it's got a. Oh wow! Well, well, for for a start, for a start, I have a problem here. Yeah. What's going on with the top of it? It's not as ripply as it used to be. That used to be a lot ripplier than that. Let, let, can I have a look at yours? Um, chocolate, I meant. Oh. Oh my word! Yeah. It looks like they've just—it's um, like the um, they've ploughed the uh, snow piss or, or the beaches, or they just someone's gone swept the chocolate across. Mine is mine is covered in lashings of ripples. Yeah, mine. Yeah, mine just seems to. Have, mine looks like it's melted and been reset again. Okay, let's try this. Come on. It might have been. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's not yeah, as good as I, I remember them. I I just said I didn't even say no. I'm living in France. I say, I've got to, I've got to talk to myself tonight. I went no, <laughs> with chocolate in my mouth. I said no, not no, no. no. Oh no, what's happening to him? Ça c'est pas, ça c'est pas Um, this Mars bar to me is more like a Milky Way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That tasted. What, what's happened to that? That used to be is such yours the a same? good chocolate bar. It's like a Milky yeah. Way. I have to say that. See, that's the danger of nostalgia, right? If you have something you remember so fondly as being a fantastic or, chocolate bar, also, and it's not, and there's never one reason for anything. Also, it can be some of these big companies resting on their laurels. That's not even close, is it? That one. That's not even close. That's not no. even close. No. Now, this is this and is I clearly love, not. By the way, I love Mars bars. It's not going to help you rest and play, though, is it? And th this is. I mean, obviously, this is all planned beforehand. <laughs> I'm going to put a. This is all planned beforehand. I'm going to put a drone on this now underneath as we're talking to build the tension. That makes the series, James, so far. It's a dead heat. Do all. Do Does that all. mean we're on a rubber? It means you're on a rubber. Test five is a rubber. <clears throat> oh, we're on a rubber. It could bounce either way. Yeah. So we Absolutely. have we have the dairy milk versus the cherry ripe, and I believe actually dairy milk Australian style is the most. One of the most popular chocolate bars in Australia as well, but this is the this is the UK version. This is going to be really so difficult. Dairy for me. milk from the UK, though, because yes. do you remember that England? One of my most favourite loved chocolates as a kid, and dairy mine milk. too. Mine too. Dairy milk will be right at the top of the tree for me. And I'm not a massive fan on uh, cherry flavour. I don't mind it. It can be nice sometimes, but it's. A bit like having violet in chocolate. Well, should we give the cherry one a go first? Because I've never had anything of ever had cherry in chocolate. It seems a very strange. I have to say, I do like the packaging, though. It looks oh, like a sort no, of classy thing from the eighties. Jay, I'm going to just stop you there. You have had cherry and chocolate. You spent three or four days in Bavaria, in Germany, with me, in the Black Forest, filming Black Forest Ghetto, where we went to. A, we went. To <laughs> Patissier, but we went to an expert cake maker, afternoon tea in a hotel, running through woods and forests where they're brewing cherries. And the Black Forest Gatto is the two most important ingredients of what? Chocolate and cherry. cherry. <laughs> so, however, in yes, my defense, you have experienced <laughs> Yeah. I have had to block out huge amounts of the time we've spent together just to protect my... My psychologist has been very clear about me blocking out large portions of the time we spent together. So um, I, I'll retake that. Now, I've had cherry and chocolate many times before, specifically in Bavarian forests with you, um, but, but not in a bar form before. <laughs> right, come on, let's get this final round done so we can yeah. go back to the TV. So on that note, on that note... Oh, so, so the cherry ripe's been around since 1924. Oh, 
1924. Yeah, so it's got quite a lot of history, so it's clearly got something about it that keeps people buying it. And uh, I think you're right, it's one of Australia's most popular chocolate smells, bars. Smells. Smells fantastic. Again, Carmella Koala. Dark chocolate, ripples. Doesn't it smell good? Yeah, the chocolate smells good. The, it's, oh, the inside. How do you describe the texture of the inside? Is a bit like... Um, what does that remind me of? That, I don't know, actually. Yeah. It reminds me of something really powerfully. Some kind of sweet. Uh, you know oh, is, it got, oh, is it like coconut? Coconut. Yeah. What's Desiccated that? coconut. Coconut and used to get blocks of it, didn't you? Oh, In a kind of flavoured coconut. Do you know, that's amazing. Because I think the coconut, we might have just pulled a flanker from the wing here. The cherry <laughs> chocolate, <laughs> on face of it, you think, <laughs> with a, with a, <laughs> we're pulling a flanker from the wing to go into bat. <laughs> yep, go on. Everything's possible in our sporting world. Um, we live in the time of metaphors, I heard on the radio <laughs> yeah. today. So let's go with this one. We do, we do. So just touching base. We're going to have. Uh, I think the addition, if you, if the, I think the coconut for me has just turned this. I would not think about buying a chocolate bar that had chocolates and 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 kind of, you know, synthetic cherry flavour, like cherry aid or. What's the what's the cherry drink, the Dr Pepper or something? Yeah, um, I wouldn't have that. But the the texture and the flavour from the coconut, oof. it's also weirdly nostalgic. Even though I've never had one before, that does remind me of something I've eaten before. Maybe in like a yeah a chocolate tin, like one of the old quality streets or Rose's chocolates. Yeah. No, I agree. It's really good. It's like it's got a mix of a little bit of many nostalgic sweets that's a very good point it without, does doesn't it without being one specific thing it just triggers yeah that's a cracker oh, so I never thought that can I ask a, a, a question yep oh, I was only got what so what is desiccated coconut it's the way it's the way the coconut is processed and the way that it is dried so if you desiccate something I mean it sounds like you're doing something really horrible but a desiccator is basically a dryer so there's a whole process from harvesting the coconuts to you might ferment them or not, and then you dry them in a certain way, and then you, once they're dry enough, you then you then um, break them up and stick them in a packet, and that is desiccated. There there should be a nicer word for that, really. Yeah. Desiccated coconut. Yeah. Crumbled. Doesn't sound really edible. It doesn't sound like something you should eat. Does yeah, it? Desiccator. I'll get the desiccator to get dinner ready. It's not. It's not yeah. a good noise sound, is it? <laughs> right. We we are so far over time now. We're in, basically into another podcast. Uh, let's finish this up. We have the dairy milk. For saying all, all that we said about the uh, the cherry ripe, that you have to take a bite of your English dairy milk now to decide the winner of the first inaugural chocolate bar ashes series. We may have to have the, 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 the return leg next year because we've got a whole bag full of other Aussie treats we haven't tried yet. Um, but for now, Where the final. My, I don't look. <laughs> <laughs> Biting his way into the wrapper. Pull the thing on the it's back. It's working it. for a reward. Yeah. Okay. It all falls I, to I, you, Mr. Hester. Yeah, me, it, I mean, it's one of my, it's one of my favourites. However, we've just spent the last five days eating chocolates. Well, actually, five test matches. So twenty-five days eating chocolates, and so I've tasted dairy milk in this journey through this test match i've tasted that chocolate i love it so but my last the chocolate i had before then was the cherry ripe and i never thought i would even remotely like that i have to go for the cherry ripe oh i never thought i'd say it boom look on james's face <laughs> well I, w I was preparing a whole load of stuff about ian botham comparisons with dairy milk everything and he's just just fallen away crushing my dreams as well all those latent memories of us being hammered by the aussies over and over again and now come roaring back into my head it's it's a it's it's an unexpected victory but but a well-earned one holly and Gemma, we can't thank you enough for um sending all this up uh, and we will be billing you for the diabetic fug that we are both about to slide into <laughs> and thank you so much for letting us indulge ourselves in chocolate 
we're now we're now Absolutely. going to become we're now going to go and have a half an hour of hyperactivity before we fall over and sleep. <laughs> I'm going to gather up all the chocolate all wrappers the... And, and burn them into an urn so that we have some kind of hideous sort of little ashes, ashes. trophy that we chocolate ashes. ashes. That's that a great idea. <laughs> And I think chocolate we learned there's delicious drink. chocolate treats on, on all hemispheres. I mean, that, is a, <laughs> <laughs> that is a science fact from Journey to the Centre yes. of the Food. Um, to all of our listeners out there, we want to wish you the, have the happiest of New Year's. We really appreciate all your earballs on our on our ramblings and indulging us in these these fun things that we keep doing. We will be back in the new year with many more podcasts, hopefully some with actual more food content in them and serious things as well alongside all the fun and games but please do keep getting in touch hestonspodcast.gmail.com or at hestonspodcast on instagram we appreciate it very much but for the first ever chocolate bar ashes and this week james thank you ever so much and heston happy new year sir that was fun happy new year to you both and guys thank you this is amazing I'm not, I might have to have a week in hospital after I've, I've, still, I've got a mountain of chocolate. But it's amazing. I'm discovering stuff. I feel like, I feel like a kid again. I love it. Thank you. <laughs>